Friends, we're now in the midst of our exploration of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in our sermon series entitled The Call to Be a Courageous Christian. And today we want to try to make sense of two of Jesus' sayings, which seem contradictory. First, Jesus warns us not to judge others. But then immediately afterwards, he labels some people as wild dogs and swine. What's going on? Let's see if we can figure out what he means in both of these sayings as Mary Rogers reads today's text, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. The scripture today is Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6, from the New Revised Standard Version. Do not judge, so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye, while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. This is the word of the Lord. Well, Jesus forbids judging others, and that's very important. Let's first look at what he teaches in verse 6 about necessary discernment. That verse reads, Do not give what is holy to dogs. Do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. Jesus is telling us that discernment is important and necessary for his followers as we must evaluate people. While we're not to judge, we're not to be naive either. I think Jesus is talking here specifically about outreach. He mentions wild and vicious dogs and hogs liable to turn and attack people. Just as it was forbidden to give Jewish sacrificial meat to unclean dogs. So Jesus says it's unwise to offer the gospel to uninterested and hostile people. As swine have no interest in pearls, some people have no interest in the gospel. To acknowledge that such people exist is just an act of realism, not really of judgment. Jesus is warning his disciples that approaching such people is unwise. Sharing holy things with them may only arouse their anger and cause them even to attack those who bear witness to Christ. In other words, we need wisdom and sensitivity to know how and when to share our faith in Christ. In chapter 19 of Paul's Acts of the Apostles, of Luke's Acts of the Apostles, Paul is located in Ephesus in ministry. And an angry mob of silversmiths who traded in representations of pagan deities, for example, the fertility goddess Artemis, the patron, patron god of uh, Ephesus, gathered in the theater there to protest Paul's preaching that God is not made with human hands. Now, Paul wanted in the worst way to address that angry mob, but his Christian colleagues and friends wisely physically restrained him from doing so. They knew the message of Christ had no chance in that context of getting a fair hearing, and the mob might well kill Paul on the spot. 
In a similar way, when Jesus sends out the 12 on their evangelistic and healing mission, he instructs them, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Now, part of wisdom is not sharing sacred things with people who are in no way ready to receive them, but have shown themselves to be disinterested in the best case or actually hostile in the worst case. Instead, Jesus counsels to be strategic in our outreach efforts, to make wise evaluations, to know when and with whom to share the gospel. So from that passage, it's clear Jesus didn't forbid our forming an opinion, making a necessary assessment, discerning between truth and error, between good and evil. Life is filled with all kinds of necessary assessments. For example, you're on a search committee for a new staff member. You need to narrow down your list of candidates. Or you have to make a final decision on the person to whom you're going to offer the position. Or you're voting in an election and you have to choose between the available candidates. Or you choose a life partner. That's one of the biggest decisions that anybody ever makes. Or you serve on a jury and you need to decide whether the person being charged is innocent or guilty. Or you need to decide on a general contractor for a home remodel, whether to join a particular church, whether to support a particular nonprofit agency. At such times when we have evaluations to make, I suggest we ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. Think how different things would have been if back in 1978, the Bay Area followers of the Reverend Jim Jones and his People's Temple in San Francisco had used greater discernment before 918 men, women, and children affiliated with Jones moved first to Guyana and then blindly obeyed their charismatic leader and drank the cyanide-laced Kool-Aid, committing mass suicide. So on the one hand, friends, Jesus tells us it's important we use wise discernment in everyday decision-making. On the other hand, he also warns us not to sit in judgment of others. Now, what does Jesus mean when he commands do not judge? In the Greek language, the verb judge is krino and means to sunder, to part, to sift, to divide out. Judging has many shades of meaning. A judge, a person can judge by being condemning, and we'd say judgmental, including presuming to know God's final verdict about a person. Is this person destined for salvation or not? On the other hand, another form of judging means in practice something much less, to form an opinion, to decide between candidates for a job, to arrive at an accurate assessment of another person. It's obvious that Jesus here was forbidding the former, but not the latter, as we've already seen. So what Jesus forbids is a judgmental attitude, a harsh, critical attitude, which quickly condemns others, especially and including their standing with God, as if we are able to speak authoritatively about a person's inner motives, inner motives and true character as if we knew God's final verdict about a certain individual. In the words of Presbyterian scripture scholar Dale Bruner, 
While Jesus is not forbidding a judgment of discernment, he is forbidding a judgment of condemnation. So why not harshly judge others? Jesus offers two reasons in this text and presents a third elsewhere in his teaching. The first is not to judge, and he provides this warning. Do not judge so that you may not be judged, for with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. In other words, Jesus seems to be saying the standard you use to judge others, the ethical yardstick you use, will be turned around and used on you. Jesus commanded earlier in this same sermon, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. As recipients of God's mercy in and through Christ Jesus, God expects us to be merciful as we deal with other people. Knowing how much mercy God gives us in Christ means that we need to be generous in showing mercy, that same mercy, to others. The standard we use to judge others will eventually be used on us. This may mean occasionally in, in everyday life. For example, Bishop Potter of New York loved to tell a story on himself while on a transatlantic ocean liner. When he went on board ship, he met the person with whom he was to share a cabin, and after looking the person over, the bishop decided to leave his gold watch and other valuables in the ship safe. He explained, ordinarily, ordinarily, I'm a trusting person, but after meeting my cabin mate, judging from his appearance, I don't think I can trust him. The purser graciously accepted the valuables and commented, It's all right, Bishop. I'll be very glad to take care of these things for you. Your cabin mate has already been up here and left his valuables for the same reason. <laughs> so that's one reason not to judge. You're likely to be judged in the same manner that you judge others. A second reason not to judge is that sin distorts our vision. Jesus presents the comical picture of a log-eyed reformer trying to save a speck-eyed sinner. Picture a person with a giant redwood timber in their eye. So the timber is way bigger than the human being, but he's got it somehow stuck in his eye. Picture that. And at the same time, that person is trying to help another person get a microscopic speck of sawdust out of their eye. Jesus is saying we often exaggerate others' faults. We see them so clearly while minimizing our own. We're blind to our own faults, but see others so clearly. As the writer of Proverbs expressed it, every way of a person is right in their own eyes. So we often have the tendency to be blind to our own faults while we have 20-20 vision in spotting others' problems. That's not to say that there aren't times when we need to help someone deal with a sin or shortcoming or weakness. But when we do, we must always be offered that sort of help in a spirit of humility as a fellow sinner, a fellow struggler, not as an arrogant and sinless judge. So those are two reasons not to judge. And a third for refraining from judging is that we don't know all the facts about a person's inner motives, and when we judge, we usurp the place 
of God. As the prophet Samuel was told, the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Jesus tells us that we don't have the last word about another person. Only God has the last word. Only God is able to judge another person in a final way. We don't know the whole truth about anyone else. We don't know all about their childhood, the values they were taught, the love given or withheld from them. We don't know all the heartaches they've experienced or all of their current struggles. So we're in no position to judge in any kind of final way. We must leave that judgment to God and God alone. British missionary and scholar Leslie Newbegin writes, Nothing could be more remote from the whole thrust of Jesus' teaching than the idea that we are in a position to know in advance the final judgment of God. It would be tedious to repeat again the innumerable warnings of Jesus in this matter. His repeated statements that at the last day, that is the day of final judgment, will be a day of surprise, of reversals, of astonishment. In his most developed parable of the last judgment, the parable of the sheep and goats found in Matthew chapter 25, both the saved and the lost, Newbegin writes, are astonished. And he's absolutely correct about that. So it's really arrogant when Jesus says final judgment will, be, will involve lots of surprises to pretend we know another person's uh, standing with God in the here and now. Colin Knox was a, a man who served with distinction in the Royal Air Force in World War II and was badly injured in a flying accident. And having been injured and sent home and having been decorated by the king for gallantry at Buckingham Palace one morning along with a colleague, after changing out of the uniforms in, into civilian clothing, they went to lunch at a famous London restaurant. Colley and his buddy were they're enjoying their lunch when a girl approached their table and handed each a white feather, a symbol of cowardice given to able-bodied men who were not serving in the military. Obviously, her judgment was not only harsh, but completely misinformed. She had just insulted two war heroes who had proved their gallantry. So friends, why is it wrong to judge others? Because the standard we use on others will be used on us. Because we have a tendency to overlook our, our own major falling, fall, failings while focusing on others' minor failings. And because we don't know a person's motives. And when we judge, we usurp God's role as judge. At the very same time, Jesus challenges us to be discerning and wise as we make necessary decisions about when to share our faith and with whom and how. Let us pray. Lord God, grant us wisdom that we may make wise decisions in life as we assess others. And by your spirit, enable us to cultivate a non-judgmental attitude toward others, to be merciful to others, not to be harshly critical to be compassionate, not condemning. Through Christ, our wise and merciful Lord, we pray. Amen.